is Jean Nathan, Crosstown Conversations. This is Fashion Week worldwide and here in New Orleans. Tracy Dundas brings us the 10th year of our own Fashion Week. Also, Doug McCash and I are talking trees. We're still on this. We did oak trees a lot recently, but now we're talking palms on Canal Street and elsewhere. So Tracy, uh, let's start with exactly what's happening. Uh, um, It's kind of a festival that you're in the middle of, but we still have some things coming Friday and Saturday. So give me a little heads up on that. Um, Fashion in New Orleans. (laughs) And and I think that people really don't appreciate how original and how influenced by our culture our fashions are. And and, uh, I want to address that. But tell me first what's happening Friday and Saturday, and then we'll get into that. Yeah, you know, we started Fashion Week um, September 19th, and we're rolling into the what I refer to as the 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 main events. And so Friday and Saturday will be at the historical Gallier Hall to showcase um within 12 designers on Friday evening and 13 designers on Saturday night. And yes. And we're bringing such a wide array, eclectic, um, diverse looks in fashion designers. Um, It's going to be incredible. You said to me, uh, it was both thought of on the fashion level, but also on the street level. And that's what I think is so fascinating about our street level. It's like nowhere else in America. As I say, this city <laughs> is like nowhere else in America. And what we wear is like nowhere else in America. You never know what people are going to walk out on the street with here. A hundred percent. I agree with that. You know, the thing is, too, is that we we really take our fashion to a, a, the next level. And we, we're not really concerned if we... Uh, don't match everyone. It's not about being cookie cutter and looking like everyone else. You know, we're a city of culture and thriving on, you know, creativity. And so that just kind of speaks to our fashion as well. When, when people say, uh, on an invitation in New Orleans cocktail attire. You have no idea what that may mean. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be some pretty little black dress and the heels. It's going to be um, a, a real range of things. Well, tell me about just a, a few of the um, the designers that are included in this, this particular um, series of runways on Friday and Saturday. You know, well, let me let me start by saying over the years we've had, oh, sorry, over the years we've had um, designers not only on a local level and the Gulf Coast region, but we've also had designers come from uh, different parts of the country and the world. So uh, New York, um, Portland, Oregon, um, the Carolinas, but then we had wow. a designer, Thailand and Kenya. And so, you know, the fact that they reached out to us, New Orleans Fashion Week, and wanted to be a part of the event, again, I think it speaks to our city and the the love that people have for the culture and um, wanting to just say that they were a part of something super creative. Um, so some of the designers that we'll be highlight, highlighting are um, Adriana, more. So her brand is uh, Bateau Collection. And it is a very, it's, it has a very, um, a very unique Afrocentric presence about it. 
very luxury brand. She used uh, very interesting textiles in her designs and creations. And then we go from that to somebody named Willie Austin. Willie Austin by day is a computer engineer. And, but his wow. love, I know, his love for fashion, he, he does it, you know, so he does this incredible streetwear design. And wow. um, yeah, when I was chatting with him, I'm like, that is like two different worlds. And um, I can't wait to see what he's going to bring to the runway. Well, I think that, you know, people involved in the tech world now are so integrated with everything. I mean, uh, you know, I'm one of the people who supports the concept of STEAM over STEM, the idea of mixing science and the arts. And mm -hmm. I think tech people, generally speaking, their job is to make sure that we get our content online and mm -hmm. content is all about creativity. So um, I don't I don't I don't put them off in a corner someplace. So I'm no. not surprised. Totally no, true, true. That. You know, with that saying, talking about tech, um, when LunaFed happened last year, some of our designers uh, that are also participating in New Orleans Fashion Week were invited to see what creativity in tech that they could bring to their event in terms of like light up or lit up fashions. So Renee Johnson, um, Aphrodite Motis, um, did for LunaFed, a very light up, a lit up um, dress. And it was incredible with oh, LED wow. lighting. And another, you know, sometimes we don't talk about men fashion and Van Sean Branch, Van Sean Branch does incredible men's clothing, cutting edge things. You know, it's very fashion forward. So um, can't wait to see what he's going to bring to the runway too. Well, I think that um, one of the interesting things about fashion today, and not just fashion, but decor as well, is that we have totally opened up the rainbow. And you're just going to see bright colors, orange. You know, I love those those figs um, uh, for medical wear that... Uh, no. We can, any of us could wear on the street anywhere with the bright oranges and lime greens and yellows and pinks. And, and I think that that's classic everywhere. So in that sense, there is more of a com, uh, connection between our style and the style that you're seeing elsewhere. Also, Afrocentric is no longer Afrocentric. Afrocentric is now... <laughs> really a part of it's right in it's mainstream you see african 100%. designers all, all over uh and in in the all the publications yes. uh, i read you know a lot of fashion things and and they're very uh mainstream they're they're in there now it's not some sideline no i agree agree you know and that's what i love that it, the how everyone is just become more open-minded and embracing all styles um and the diversity so it's across the board and that's what we're bringing um on friday and saturday evening at gallier hall a lot of diversity we want to have something on the runway that everyone can enjoy so I, I i would be remiss if i don't ask you for the ticket price oh so we have a ticket range um i think for some some events in general has been um 
twenty dollars, and then we go up, and then we go upwards to a hundred. So depending on seating and the actual event. Sure. Well, it sounds like a great thing. We're going to, in in addition, in our newsletter, um, we know, of course, our radio show runs Fridays at noon, but mm -hmm. uh, my newsletter, I guess, comes out uh, early Friday morning. And um, Vogue just happened to put out its um, kind of what's new runway uh, notice. Oh. So I'm, I'm putting that in our in-depth section to kind of tease people a little bit and get them... Uh, <laughs> thinking about um, what they might look like. And you know what interested me? I saw just endless numbers of maxi dresses. Oh, which is one of my favorites, you know? And I think um, what I love about a maxi dress is that it can it can flatter every figure shape, you know? And, and it's just, it kind of has the sexiness as it flows when you walk. So, you know, I think, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it's a it's 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 tricky for somebody a little shorter like me oh. to really um, get the right look. But um, mm -hmm. you just have to pick the right thing. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm fascinated always to see how New Orleans interprets culture in all the different disciplines. And people tend to only think of, of, of the arts. Uh, in New Orleans, uh, and they think music, they think food, and they tend to forget about architecture and, um, uh, um, uh, you know, all of the um, yes. uh, video yes. and, and media and um, theater and and uh, literary. I mean, we, we, we really are so cultured in so many different directions. All those Fact included. Fashion included. And let me just do a little shout out and appreciation to the city of New Orleans. Embrace the culture because it is because of them we are able to host our event at Gallier Hall. You know, they, again, based on everything you just said, recognize that fashion is part of all those genres and should be um, held in the highest regard and give these designers a chance to have a platform to showcase their collection. So Lisa Alexis is amazing and her entire team. So just doing a little shout out there. Well-deserved and I'm glad you did it. And I hope, you know, I, I, I see this uh, to people that I'm gonna come, I wanna come, it sounds so great. And um, in, in my uh, later years, I'm a little lazier than I used to be, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm gonna try to get there because as I said, I fashion is definitely one of my favorite arts. Tracy Dundas, congratulations on what you're doing. Congratulations on all those years. Oh my goodness, that's so great. And um, have a blast. Thank you so much, Sheen. Always a pleasure to see you, talk to you. I really enjoy our time together. All right, you take care. Children, the little children of the world, cause they're our strongest hope for the future. The little bitty boys and girls, we got to make this land a better land than the world in which we live. We gotta help each man be a better man with the kindness that we give. I know we can make it. I know that we can make it. Vera Warren Williams. What is going on on Bayou Road this weekend? I'm so excited to find out about your celebrating of your many years of keeping your business going um, and uh, bringing life to Bayou Road and setting the pace for it. But now we're celebrating. So tell me about what's going on. Well, on tomorrow, 
Saturday, uh, September the 23rd, we are hosting our Home Fest celebration, which will be in the 24 and the 2500 blocks of Bayou Road. And Home Fest is our opportunity to celebrate local businesses, particularly those that are on historic Bayou Road. In addition to, we are um, highlighting uh, other businesses and vendors and resource um, services that are available to us in our community. So at Home Fest, not only will we have music and entertainment, we will have uh, area businesses uh, and uh, local resources providing information to the community. We're going to kick off at 11 a.m. and we're going to go on to 7 p.m. We're featuring oh my God. the yeah, it's a full day. It's a full day. So you can't, nobody can miss it. I mean, there's so much time to get there. Yes, and there is so much going on in our great city. We just encourage everybody to get a little piece of each pie. You know, right. go from one festival or one community event to the other. And we're grateful to have the Brassaholics uh, as a part of our um, lineup, DJ Rockaway. DJ Legatron Prime. We have a host of other um, local uh, cultural bearers that'll be uh, presenting. Sonny Patterson will open us up with some um, spoken word. We have Hollywood. We have uh, DC Paul, who is our host um, for the uh, festival. So we have a lot of uh, local um, homegrown talent that we want to celebrate um, this year. And I think that home, the word home That's is right. so important in this whole um, equation, if you will. Right. Uh, Community Book Center celebrating our 40th anniversary. My Ooh. God, I am so <laughs> grateful for the community's support over the years. And many people may not know but I started it as a home-based community service oh. in my parents' home in the Lower Ninth Ward in 1983. I did not and know that. Yes. So we didn't have a lot of money. We started with like $300. And oh, I say I we, I say we because it embodies the whole concept of the community. But it was my $300 from my personal savings to start Community Book Center to offer our community um, the truth, actually, because at that time there were not many books by and about people of African descent that were readily available to the general public. On occasion, you may find a table during Black History Month in the mainstream bookstores, but it wasn't available. And even those books did not exactly um, portrayed the truth about our history and our culture. So we decided to start the, the um, community book center. That's why it's called center because again, it was in the home, it wasn't a store. And our tagline speaks to us being more than a store. So over the years, we've moved throughout various communities in the city. Our first location outside of my parents' home was another home-based 
business on Poland Avenue. Then we moved to Ursuline Street. From Ursuline Street, we moved to Broad Street. And from Broad, we, we moved to Bayou Road. And again, home again, 20 years ago, we, we, we purchased this building on Bayou Road so that we would have a stable home for Community Book Center. So not only are we celebrating 40 years in business, but we're celebrating very proudly 20 years on Bayou Road. So I think that the thing that has always amazed me about Community Book Center is not just the books, which is so important. And as you say, it, 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 it really brought so much literature that is out there that not everybody knows about to the to the to the public to, into the hands of people as they walk in the store but you have also been a place for people in the community to convene to have dialogue to talk about issues that need to be done um, and you have been a um, guardian angel of Bayou Road itself which a lot of people don't realize was really just about the first street in the city because it was a path for indigenous people to get from the bayou from the lake to the river and that so it, it's it's a very very historic road and um one of my favorite things that you did was tell those contractors to get away with their um their road plans and to restore the the old bricks that were on that yeah. road that were a, a evidence of that history. I mean, that, exactly. that's the kind of thing that I, I just talk about on almost every issue of my newsletter is how important it is for the community to stand up to the people who are in power just because they somehow got a job or got elected, but they don't represent the power of the community. And it's that power that really counts for change and for making things happen. So I'm I'm just wildly impressed every all the time. And the other thing I have to say, and I just can't not say this, is your personal graciousness. And I, I've just been bragging about a new little dog I've got and my older dog and how my older dog was so gracious with the new puppy and, and lets him play with his toys, mm -hmm. and eat out mm -hmm. of his food bowl and, you know, just be... Uh, decent to that other person and and that's you and not that you're a puppy dog you're not a puppy dog but you are a gracious person who welcomes and supports people in a kind calm way thank god for kind and calm that's that's something yes. that's rare in our society today yes and and i would like to say that none of this the 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 success of the book center or Home Fest would be possible without people coming together with a common goal and a common vision, supporting each other. And with that, I would like to just acknowledge our presenting sponsor, which is Kinfolk Foundation, and they will be activating virtual monuments on Bayou Road in honor of one, our very own Mama Adela, Adela the Storyteller, 
as well as Andre Caillou and others. So we're very pleased for their support. We also like to mention that we received uh, support from uh, NOTCF, the Bayou Road Business Association, uh, Community Books, and of course, Broad Community Connections. You know, we go a long way with them from our yeah. location on Broad <laughs> they were there at the beginning, right? From the beginning, and they continue to be a very important force of support for uh, our community. We want to thank the Andre Caillou um, Center, which is formerly the church next door to us, um, NOLA Business Alliance, LCMC, Olympic, Ashe, who's celebrating their 25th anniversary, Black Bayou, the Power Coalition, and New Corp. And we have a fantastic production team led by Ariel Wilson with Wilson Ave. So we're really excited. We're encouraging everyone to come out tomorrow to support the businesses along Bayou Road, in addition to the other vendors that we've invited and the resource organizations that will be here. And I think it's important that folks understand that we're continuing to try to um, promote economic development in our community outside of the CBD. We want right. to encourage locals as well as tourists to come and visit historic Bayou Road because there's a lot of flavor, a lot of vibes, a lot of family energy right here on Bayou Road. So we want to continue to support um, these entities, not only with our mouths, but with our dollars. Because exactly. if I could start, if I could start with three hundred dollars in my home, then these other small businesses can also grow and thrive forty and fifty years a, a, along the way. I think all of what you just said is a perfect example of who you are, because you're not just talking about your project, your center, and you, but about all of these people who have worked with you and helped you and. Vera Warren Williams, congratulations to you and thank you so much for everything you've done for our neighborhood and our city. And um, I'm not sure whether I'll be in town this weekend or not, but if I am, I will be out there. I promise you, because yeah, uh, thank you. I love Bayou Road and I love all the stores on it and especially yours. And um it's, it's just so great that uh, I lucked out when I chose uh, to live on Esplanade Avenue in Treme. Um, all I knew is that I was it was beautiful and it was close to the park and close to the river and close to the lake. And that's all I knew. I didn't know about all the people that I would come to know like Vera Warren Williams. And I might just add, uh, Jean, if folks want more information, they can go to BayouRoad.com, BayouRoad.com, and uh, Instagram, BayouRoad.nola, for more information about Perfect. Home Fest. Perfect. Thank you. You know, and I just want to point out that sign behind me that says, We're Home. Yes. That's from, that's from Post-Katrina, the organizing, but I keep that yes. up. Because it's yes. a reminder of the fact that, yes, we did make it through that. We are home and, we, and we're going to continue to be here. So it's perfect. I, I wish I, I, perfect. Should, I, 
I wish I had more. I would give you one, but I'm not giving that one up because it's a reminder to me always of of our resilience. Yeah. Well, if I if I start looking around here, I might find one in the back. To <laughs> probably have one. That's absolutely yeah. right. All right. Very thank you. thank you again. You will be holding forth on Bayou Road on Saturday. And I encourage everybody to get out there and enjoy that very long period. You can just bring your bring your lawn chairs and, and hang yes. out. All right. Good point. Bring your lawn chairs and whatever else. And we're grateful that we usually have this festival in July, but we moved it to September and we're so grateful that it's not as hot or humid. Hot. Right. And and wow. again, it's a great kickoff to our 40th anniversary. Thank you so much. Thank you, New Orleans. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Uh -huh. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm on the phone with a man whose uh, journalistic talents have expanded vastly over the years. He started out um, pretty much covering cultural and, and art uh, in the community. And now I'm not sure what he doesn't cover. And, <laughs> although at the moment, we're about to talk about something creative. And something creative has to do with the landscape of our city. And um, Doug wrote an article the other day that came after a couple of articles I did about oak trees. I am totally obsessed about the condition of the live oaks in the city. And so Doug just made matters worse for me. A day ago, I think his story ran about the palm trees on Canal Street. Now what? <laughs> now what? Exactly. So what's going on with them? What's the, what's the story on Canal Street? Well, here's what's going on. Um, there is a there is an infection uh, uh, in the palm trees in New Orleans. It's a bacterial infection Wait. called bronzing. And, How do you spell that? Oh, I'm not sure. Like like bronze. Uh, um, oh, okay. And uh, and uh, what's going on is um, it is afflicting palm trees, not just here, but everywhere from Florida to Texas. Wow. And, and it is it is particularly uh, it is particularly deadly to those magnificent, tall, skinny palms that we have down on uh, Canal Street. Um, and what are they called? Well, they are called uh, uh, date palms in general. Those could be Phoenix palms or Medjool. Um, most people think they are Medjool pines palms okay so okay. so there is this epidemic going on and if you if you drive around town you'll notice a disconcerting number of dead palm trees they've died in city park fillmore um they're dying everywhere the reason that the ones on canal street haven't died is because they are they are being treated with an antibiotic that um that uh wow. help, helps them live but um that is, unless a cure is found, that of course is a stopgap. That's, uh, you know, in time, I don't know how long a medjool 
palm palm lives, but in time they will they will fail. And they're very expensive trees. Those trees are worth about twenty thousand dollars each. So it it's not as though yeah, it's not as though we're going to uh, you know go find some someplace and replace them. Um, so what I wrote about was not the um, not the disease that was uh, my colleague Tristan Barak's story, but but I wrote about what if those palm trees disappear? Um, what shall we do? You know, what's the what's the proper replacement for something as iconic? And and Gene, you you were you were so kind introducing me as you know. Uh, nowadays I write about everything, but I began writing about art and and culture and like that. And that's still where, where my heart lies. And what sure. interests me about this, what, what I find really interesting is that those particular kind of palm trees, those long skinny Hollywood palm trees, right? Um, they don't come from here. And that's interesting to me because yet again, like Mardi Gras beads, um, one of the- so I'm sorry, go ahead. That's all right. It, 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 what interests me is that once again, like Mardi Gras beads, one of the signature images of our city isn't really from here at all. It, it, you know, it's from, it's from somewhere else. And I, I think that's fascinating. And then the yeah. question is, symbolically speaking, um, how shall we replace them? What, what should they say? And, and I think that's very interesting. Um, apparently the palm trees came here. Uh, uh, they, they've, they've, Imported palm trees have been here forever, but uh, in the 1950s, they became very fashionable. And that's, and in the 1960s, they were installed along Canal Street. So what did that say at the time? And, um, and uh, considering uh, Jimmy Buffett's recent death, I, I, I equated him with that feel good, coastal Jimmy Buffett sort of vibe and 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 uh, um, but I didn't I didn't I didn't live through the planting of the of the palm trees and, and so I don't know but um, but but something to do with that uh, Tristan's story mentioned the tiki craze the tiki fad that um, that you know we 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 wanted that tropical look so so now what in case we lose them can I just say I don't think it's just that it's tropical. I think that they're very elegant and stately and they take your eye to a whole nother level, right? Because they are so high. And so they have you look up and when you look up, you're, you're sort of taking in the skyline of Canal Street, which is pretty extraordinary. You know, all of the, um, the architecture on, on Canal Street is, is exceptional. There's a stretch in New York. I'm originally from New York, so I'm familiar with 57th Street. 57th Street is one of the classiest boulevards in, in Manhattan. And... Um, and a lot of the architecture on that street is very similar to the architecture on Canal Street. So I credit it with with not just, um, you know, trying to revive the, the tropical look or to to enhance the tropical look for us. There was there was a palm of that kind on Galvez Street about, let's see, uh, off Orleans, maybe two blocks. And it was just a little Creole cottage with this big, tall palm tree on the corner. And I always admired it and was always happy to see it 
was still there and it's gone. And so I think it's subject to the same thing. We also have a huge, the last of what I think were either three or four big canary palms on our property facing Esplanade. They were all gone but one. And we started looking up and saying, gosh, it seems to have a whole lot of dead fronds. What's going on? So Tannen had an arborist come and check it out. And he says it's okay. It doesn't have this disease. But we still sort of look at it warily every day. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like... Disease yet. Yeah, Tannen says... claims that all palms in New Orleans will have this disease, even the native That's palms. what Doug just said. Doug just said that all even the palms the are... The yeah, that all the palms are are subject to this disease. And, and this, of course, goes back to, to what extent is this all a product of climate change? I, I, I did not read your associate's article that dealt with uh, more directly with the disease, so I don't know exactly what it says, but your your conjecture that this is going to have an aesthetic impact on the city and we have to figure out what to do with it is precisely the challenge that we're faced with, isn't it? It is. Um, those palm trees, and, and you're right, of course, it's wonderful how they draw your eye upward and they're they're majestic, as somebody said. I, I, I think that's the perfect word. There are also some practical aspects to them. They don't require much root room. And anybody who's walked on the uh, sidewalks in New Orleans knows that our oaks do require root room. Whether, whether we're giving it to them or not, they'll take it, etc. cetera. Um, and, and the trunk, that, that narrow, elegant trunk of the palm trees doesn't interfere with anything. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, there are no limbs to be pruned. We need to, we need to prune off the leaves so that they don't free fall in you know traffic and where pedestrians are but but there's no limbs to trim so they're very practical uh in a way uh very practical trees um so the question is now what to do and um and uh one of the questions is how much earth do we have uh underneath those palm trees to work with because the 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 tree we choose to replace them has to be accommodated one way or the other. Um, the question is, um, I think that I think that uh, cypress trees would would be beautiful and certainly representative of the era. Um, you know, with with um, rising water, uh, I think a, a cypress tree is a wonderful and a beautiful symbol. Um, and I know you're not being sarcastic, but there is a sort of a sarcastic. Well, you know, it, 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 I, yeah. I guess raising an eyebrow, but nonetheless, it, it, it's true. There, that would be a, they would be a symbol of our era for sure. Um, but, but the question is, you know, can their roots be restrained? And, and uh, if you're ever down there by the old um, U.S. Customs Office, which is just adjacent to, uh, you know, to Canal Street, it's on Canal Street, but. The intersecting street decatur there are cypress trees lining uh the first block of that street so apparently somebody thinks that they would be fine there um yeah well the cypress trees done on i-10 as you're going out east i go to mississippi a lot and um there's a stretches of cypress trees and they are just so beautiful uh you know because i 
I guess they just have a lot of limbs. They're not huge limbs like the oak trees, but there's just a lot of them. And so it's very green. And those leaves are very delicate and they float in the air very beautifully. So cypress does found appealing, but okay, what's the downside? I'm sure there is one. Well, it's just, how, do we have enough earth underneath the palm trees to accommodate a, a cypress tree? And, um, yeah. uh, and, and of course, they, they put up their knees, uh, you know, as we know from every, every painting of the swamp, there are cypress knees. And, and can they be managed, and I learned this new word, in, can they be managed in the hardscape? Um, of, uh, of Canal Street. And the hardscape is everything that's not the greenscape. Right, right. Which on Canal Street is most, you know, yeah. 99%. Right. So who, who gets to decide this? And um, are there citizens who are involved in the process or is this all behind some city hall closed door somewhere? I mean, what what's the process? Well, so far there's 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 so far there's no need. Um, what what's going on at present is just head scratching. What what will happen should those palm trees succumb? They they are the the downtown development district is the custodian of those palm trees, and they are paying for the um, antibiotics, and they pay for the maintenance of the palm trees. And so they're very aware and very involved in uh, um, you know any decisions that get made about them. I, I don't know what the process would be um, for selecting a different tree. Uh, uh, the Parks and Parkways Department is already replacing palm trees with cypresses and other native trees as, as they succumb around the city. Around the city? Oh, is that yeah. right? Oh, but, I didn't but that's know that. a little okay. different. You know, those circumstances are a little different. Um, like, um, you know, if, if a palm tree fails on one of the one of the neutral grounds in Gentilly, well, there's enough there's enough root room not Earth, to worry yeah. about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a whole different ballgame. Well, you know, Doug, interestingly enough, um, really part of an outcome of my obsession with the uh, oak trees, which has been going on for much longer than the recent story about, you know, how drought and then heavy rain are rough on the trees. It, it, I've just been watching lots and lots of oak trees around the city in Dayton. And, and I, I guess I, the reason I'm obsessed with it a little bit is because of Esplanade Avenue, where there are a lot, it's, you know, Esplanade Avenue is all about the oak trees. And um, there are a lot of oak trees on Esplanade that are not doing that well, especially along a stretch on the other side of Claiborne, where there was a lot of road work done at one time. And I think they made a valiant effort to protect the trees, but it didn't quite it wasn't enough. And then I happened to come home to the front of my property uh, during evacuation. I got myself, um, you know, snuck a pass from somebody and slipped in. And of all things, they were literally chopping away at the tree right in front of my house. I called those guys the Texas Chainsaw operators because they were not the usual company here that knows how to deal with oak trees and they were cutting out mantles in order to accommodate the power lines while we were gone so we couldn't fuss at them right and so um that hurt a lot of trees on esplanade but the thing that's got me riled up lately 
and maybe you can help me research this because I haven't gotten very far yet, but I Googled, you know, my first stop on research is always Dr. Google. And um, I asked uh, Google, I said, um, what, where are they dealing with the issue of the pollution caused by idling cars when dropping off and picking up students around schools? Because the other place where there's some really scary looking oak trees is right in front of Bricolage, what used to be John Mack. And they did a lot of work on the school. And somehow by the time that work was over, um, things were looking a little scary. But now you have a whole different process from what used to be during when we had neighborhood schools. And, you know, since we have this new system, you have people um, traveling from all over the city to go to a school. So you have a lot of idling cars along Rochebleve and um, and Ursuline. And, uh, and then during open and closing times at school, you have piles up of, of, of cars on Esplanade Avenue as the, uh-oh, are you still there? Uh-oh, I just lost him. Doug? Oh, yep. there you are. Okay. Uh, I disappeared. I lost it, your I lost your image. So so you have this um pile up of, of cars on Esplanade Avenue as it stops traffic to let students go back and forth. And I'm horrified about this. And I think that this process of letting cars sit around the schools and idle is, again, um, maybe it might be considerate of mom sitting in the car and she gets to get AC. But um, I think the trees are living things, too, and they deserve uh, some attention as well. And they're not getting it. So I need to find out who, where. And I did find out that in Britain, they take this very seriously. Great Britain is got a very serious a set of policies about um, idling cars around schools, and we don't. And here we are, the city that, what, what would New Orleans be <clears throat> without its oak trees? Oh my God, I can't even imagine. I don't think I'd be here. Mm -hmm. So now I'm on to that jag. And um, uh, if you find out anything and during your uh, continued work on the palm trees, um, <laughs> I, I would I would appreciate you cluing me in so I can raise a stink, which is what I do for a living. Ah, so, um, pretty funny. Well, listen, um, I, I I I hope I haven't. Uh, I, I I hope I'm not claiming to be an expert. This was this was a uh, this know, was a, an, an interesting assignment to me. But heavens, I don't I don't know an awful lot about uh, any of this. I I consulted with people but, who do. But it is a creative matter, and it you is a cover matter, creative and, and matters. The, 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 I think the uh, I think the symbolism is important, and it, it's so it's an interesting phenomenon to me. That once again, one of the things that that we that we hold dear as an image is not really a native image at all. It's something that we we brought in. You know, it's uh, it's it's very interesting. And there are well, I there don't are know some... about I don't know about you, but that includes Tannen and me both well, from Brooklyn and South Bronx. <laughs> and, and 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 you are you are as important as those palm trees to uh, to the city. That's for sure. Well, um, vice versa. Yeah, <laughs> it's a you know, 
that's that's a that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. Um, but gosh, there are lots of there are lots of options. There are lots of native trees. Native trees. I think the idea of bringing in native trees is is very much of our era. I think we would want a native replacement. The uh, um, uh, you, uh, you know, I, I spoke to I spoke to uh, somebody from LSU Ag, and they said, well, you know, ginkgo trees would be perfectly fine. Um, there are other options. Um, uh, you know, for 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 tr ornamental trees that are in, imported. She had no problem with that so long as they aren't invasive you know they can't escape uh canal street but uh, but i think i think the era sort of demands that we put in an indigenous tree so um so we've got magnolias we've got um we've got uh cypress of course and there, there were some others um, pecans drop well, a lot of nuts of, uh, <laughs> there's other uh palms but i i guess the um I forget what you call them. I call them swamp palms. I don't know what the official name of them is, but we have palms that kind of almost look like Chinese fan palms. And by the way, speaking of an exotic palm, I don't know if you've been in my backyard lately, but um, you know, I, I, I brought in exactly one little um, about uh, two, uh, less than two feet high Chinese fan palm one day from a five and dime that we used to have. And um, I now have somewhere around maybe 200 Chinese fan palms all over my garden. And <laughs> they, I sure hope they are not subject to this new palm disease because there's a lot of them and they create a jungle and I'm happy with my jungle, so I don't want to see it go away either. So um, that's uh, I'm you. You now have me all worked up about palms well, too. There you Let's go. That that's 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 my duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you something I learned. Once again, I, I'm no expert whatsoever, but I talked to somebody from LSU Ag, a, a different person, who said that um, those those tall date palms like the ones on Canal Street, are, are very much more susceptible to this disease than what, what he called cabbage palms, which are the, the native variety that are a little more, um, uh, um, they have the jagged trunks uh, and, and the, 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 the sort of, um, what, uh, less well-kempt uh, uh, crowns. And those are less, every, everything's, everything's susceptible, apparently. Both uh, general varieties are susceptible to the illness, but, but um, the native palms are less so. so. Well, I just hope that, um, I'm assuming, and this is another, uh, I'm like you, I'm, I'm even less expert on this at the moment, because you've got some expertise under your belt. But to what extent uh, are the LSU Ag people, and by the way, please send me some contact people. I need to talk to them. Um, to what extent um, is all of these these diseases that we're faced with, not just for oak trees and palm trees, but other living things besides ourselves and mm -hmm. us, ourselves included, are affected by climate change? Um, I don't know. I mean, I... I... Nobody at LSU said anything about the connection with climate change on this. They did, uh, but 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 this is a very specific thing, and it it uh, you know the, this illness is a very specific thing, and I I don't doubt that the long heat wave this summer didn't didn't help oh, it along. Sorry. 
but oh, but I course. but I have no idea. I have no idea. And um, I did speak somebody at somebody at uh, LSU Ag talked about that um, the just the the sheer heat. Oh, you know the 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 heat that doesn't end in the night and like that will have a detrimental effect on on plants on certain plants. Um, you know, she not to mention us. Yeah, but so but, are, but but the palms. I don't know. Um, so kind of th what this has led to for me, as you know, the Crevasse 22 sculpture garden that I work with um, in St. Bernard uh, down in Poitras, um, it, it was premised on environmental impact. So it, it, our theme is we reflect the uh, beauty and risks of nature. Mm -hmm. um, so having gotten obsessed about the trees, um, I am thinking about, and and you'll be amazed, of course, that we plan this as late as we do, but that's kind of how I work sometimes. And um, our next show that we're going to open for the season is going to be on trees. So um, I'm planting a seed, <laughs> a tree seed, in your mind, asking you to think about um, people who maybe have worked with that. I mean, I, I, I've got my own... You know, buddy over here, Mr. Tannen, has done some work on that. And so I know I, we've got that. And and Ron Bichet and Bill Guyon um, are some of the folks who I know have worked with this. But um, if you if there's um, some folks that uh, you know uh, that I don't know, possibly, uh, I'd love to hear about it. But I'm, I'm going to try to really um, bring this issue uh, forward. Um, through art, which is something that we do in New Orleans, you know, we, we're sure. telling the climate story um, also uh, through our artwork, because our artists really care. They're very engaged in, this, in environmental questions. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of our, our community in that, in that regard. Well, the, the, the art, is, art is where the argument uh, often takes place first. You know, it's uh, one of the places. You know, years ago, golly, um, this might be, this could be 30 years ago, uh, Bob Tannen and I were in an exhibit together in City Park around Pop's Fountain. Oh, what, I remember that. I forgot all what, about that. And what Bob did um, was uh, just to cordon off an area of City Park and let it go, let it go wild. Let, let see what happened. Uh, you know, it see what grew like there. Yeah. And it was so it was a, um, you know, it was an exercise in not giving, not giving it the haircut that we would usually give it. And what uh, I would do that in a vacuum, I would do that with my front yard now. But but I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if that's the civil thing to do with my neighbors, but but I I I would I would um I would just let it all go now. Let it go to the butterflies and you know that's what I would do. That's uh that that's happening. I, I see stories every once in a while about the conflict between a family that has um given up the green uh clipped lawn for the, the natural lawn and the neighbors go nuts over it apparently. Yeah, yeah. Don't like it, but then they get used to it. And um I think it is definitely a trend. And I think we're gonna see a lot more of it in the future. Yeah. Well, Doug, all I can say is thank you very much for putting something else on the on the uh, table for me to worry about. And I'm I'm such a You know, you keep reading all these articles about how being positive 
can extend your life. The latest I read was seven and a half years. If you're positive about aging, you can live longer. And how do I get positive when I have to worry about the trees and now the palm trees? And oh, my, you know, my health you, and my dog's health. And you what know, you don't but, want to do, what you don't want to do, is talk to people who work for newspapers. That's for sure. You, that's, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did enjoy talking with this guy from the newspaper, and let's do it again. And keep me uh, up to date if you if uh, you see um, another permutation on the story. Catch yeah, my attention. Anything, I try to read the paper up. every day. I do try. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. There's a lot of piles of newspaper around this house that, oh, yeah. you know, every on a weekly basis, I say 10, and I think we just have to cancel all these subscriptions, and of course, we never do. No, so, that, that's that, what I like to hear. All right, is, uh, all right. I have a short end statement from my listening so far. Let's hear. At the Tulane campus near the architecture school, Okay. is a dawn redwood tree, a dawn redwood tree uh, related to the sequoia. And um, it was planted by a professor at Tulane many years ago, and it's doing well. Whether it will succumb as to other diseases, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that a redwood uh, of a particular variety has uh, found a good home here in New Orleans is an interesting Interesting note. Next time I'm up there, I got to tell you, look, pay my respects. See, there you go with that positive thinking. He's definitely going to live seven and a half years longer than me. (laughs) (laughs) Doug, thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. So do your part and stir up a little action. Pay attention to the trees. Can you imagine New Orleans without our palms and oak trees? This is Jean Nathan, Cross Sound Conversations.